Hello, welcome to Tiz Talk. Welcome to Tiz Talk. I'm Mary Myers. And I'm Julianne Murphy. This is Tiz Talk for the week beginning 23rd of January 2023. We've got a local nature theme show for you this time, all about bats. Almost like the warbling sleep dragon from uh, the Clangers, uh, but it sounds very much like this. Art in nature at Messams. And Fonthill Lake is a favourite place to paint, a mirrored surface that's never the same. After the Watsons, it's Young Nature Watch with Izzy Fry. Building hedgehog houses, doing butterfly surveys, harvest mice surveys, bird ringing demos. We do a different thing each month um, to do with local wildlife and nature. And then bees in trees. They're very active. Very active. There's a hole and the bees are around the hole and then they're flying all over the place. You may not be aware of this, but Tisbury and the surrounding area are rich in bats. Mary found out all about this from Gareth Harris at a talk he gave at the parish rooms before Christmas. So my name's Gareth Harris. I am a professional ecologist, but I'm also a county recorder with Wiltshire Bat Group and Wiltshire Mammal Group. And you've just given us a fascinating talk all about bats, mostly about the greater horseshoe bat. Can you tell us why Tisbury is such a good site for bats? Yeah, so of the sort of 20 or so bat species in the country, there are about uh, 17 or 18 in Wiltshire and at least 16 of those are in Tisbury and the surrounding area. And this partly reflects the high quality woodlands, the river corridors, the pastures, the hedgerow networks, and then the mix of summer roosting sites in people's homes, buildings, churches, uh, but also the really important hibernation sites like Chilmark quarries and Fonthill grottos. Um, bats uh, account for at least a quarter of all mammals in the world. They're found in every continent except Antarctica. They are phenomenally diverse and they're an evolution success story. Um, they're able to use every niche, every habitat. They're even in the Arctic, they're even in open desert. So they're incredibly adaptable and they are fascinating as a result. Across the world we rely on bats. So many of our bats pollinate plants that we use. So things like cacao, mangoes, wild bananas are all pollinated by bats. There's evidence that bats pollinate things like vanilla. We know that bats are important in the context of pest control. So studies of the bats that famously roost at Bracken Cave in the southern states of America, their contribution to US agriculture amounts to billions of US dollars per year simply by controlling pests. Uh, the alternative to that would be spraying vast amounts of agrochemicals into the atmosphere to try and control those pests. I think I know which I'd rather have. There's also evidence that bats have been encouraged to help control malaria by controlling mosquitoes. Around the world, they're an important source of food for people. They're an important source of guano for local farming. They pollinate, they control pests. They're very important. And, of course, in today's buzzwords, they are very, very important in terms of ecosystem services. And we, we benefit from having them around. Bats themselves cannot stop any development. And 
anyone who says that or thinks that has clearly been reading too many newspapers of a certain political leaning. Um, the reality today is that if people need to do work to buildings that have bats in, there is a licensing system in place with Natural England that allows you to do that work. Personally, I don't think the licensing system goes far enough in terms of protecting our bats, but the reality is it must be pragmatic enough to ensure that both people and bats can live in homes and properties. You obviously really like Greater Horseshoe Bats and you did this great impression during the, the talk. Would you kindly do a horseshoe bat impression for our listeners? Gladly. So the Greater Horseshoe Bats sounds alarmingly like, um, almost like the warbling soup dragon from uh, the Clangers, uh, but it sounds very much like this. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, that's the sound they make when they're echolocating, when they're navigating around the landscape, but also when they are communicating with each other as well. So you'll hear different styles of the, of the warbling as well. That will include calls between mothers and young, males trying to attract females, uh, and so on. Is it? Yeah, so it, in effect, greater horseshoe bats and lesser horseshoe bats are funneling sound through their nose leaf, the horseshoe-shaped nose leaf. Um, so in some respects, they're kind of shouting through the nose, whereas other bats are largely mostly shouting through their mouths. It's really fascinating. Thank you very much. No Thank you. Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Now, Kate Gam reviews an art exhibition celebrating the beauty of our local landscapes, such as the lake at Font Hill. As we face the elements in this particularly cold January, I recently paid a welcome visit to the new exhibition at Messam's Gallery on its opening night, featuring landscape artist Richard Hoare. This is the third time Richard has exhibited at Messam's. He's lived in Shaftesbury for nearly 30 years, and Fontill Lake is a favourite place to paint, reflecting his love of water, as he describes it, a mirrored surface that's never the same. The works in this exhibition, entitled Threshold, are from further afield. The landscape of the harsh, remote and most westernmost fringes of Europe, from the hills of County Mayo in Ireland to the northwest coast of Scotland, and the unpredictable and challenging weather found in those regions. You can feel both calm and energy in Richard's landscapes. You can almost hear the waves crashing, the storms lashing, and indeed audio is a strong influence on Richard's working practice as he reflects on the natural sounds around him. Shades of blue, yellow and green show the particular light in autumn and winter, from sunrise to sunset, and how it changes within one image. In fact, some images show the sun setting as the moon rises, a particular feature of the sky over western Scotland. The nine monotypes in the collection are in contrast with the vivid colours of the oil paintings. Relatively small drawings in black and white are cinematic in their scale, with a cinema verite style that reminded me very much of the 1934 film Man of Aaron, directed by documentary filmmaker Robert J. Flaherty, filmed in much the same region in Ireland where Richard Hoare created his images. Again, we see the fascinating image of the sun rising as the moon sets, simultaneously. Moon and sun over Clue Bay is the one to look out for. 
When I returned the following day, it was great to see the new cafe in the barn so busy on a cold Saturday morning in early January. The old cafe space is now a flourishing restaurant with a new menu just launched. The Richard Hoare exhibition runs until the 26th of February and entrance is free. A great way to celebrate winter and its weather. Follow us on Instagram at TizTalkRadio. Tickets are still available for Tag's Rapunzel Panto, so listen now to Liz Camp with the Watsons for more details. Feeling a bit out of shape? Well, why not sign up today at the Nada Centre for exercise classes, which are fun, motivational, social and great for your fitness. And don't worry, there is a class for you, regardless of your age, fitness level or ability. All you need to do is do it. There's more information on the Nada Centre's Facebook page. Don't forget, Tisbury's Community Larder at the Youth Centre, which is behind the swimming pool, is open Mondays to Saturdays from 9.30 until 3.30 and on Tuesdays as late as 7pm. It's stocked with tins of food, tasty treats, toiletries, winter clothing and blankets. So if you're in need of any of those things, go up there. You can either take them, you can exchange them or you can donate them. There are also free logs and kindling for local people and families in need. And if you'd like some, contact Jackie at seedsforsuccess.org.uk. On Wednesday, the 25th of January, Tisbury Memory Group's pop-up cafe is back in the Hinton Hall from 10 till 12 noon. It offers tea, coffee and home-baked cakes and everybody is welcome. The contact is Anne-Marie on 07704 For mums and dads with babies and toddlers, Tisbury Tots meets every Thursday from 9.45 to 11.45 in the morning. It's at the Hinton Hall by St. John's Church. Now, this is a weekly safe space for children to play and grown-ups to meet each other over tea and coffee and just have a general get-together and a social. It's £2 per child and please bring your own reusable cup with lid for teas and coffees, which are free and served there. More info on the Tisbury Tots Facebook page. Well, Thursday night is opening night of the Tisbury pantomime, Rapunzel. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. Which runs until Saturday night at the new Vic at Tisbury on the High Street. The production is being staged by Tisbury Arts Group with an all-star cast of local actors, including Dame Hilda Blunderberg, who I bumped into this week with her director, Judy Fitzpatrick. Well, I play Brunhilde Blunderberg. I'm the royal nanny. Oh, and I, oh, I've lost my, my darling princess Rapunzel. Well, I had lost her for 18 years because that nasty Gothel, the, the ghastly witch, pinched her away from me. But things get better, believe me. And there's fun and laughter. And we, oh, we get shipwrecked at one point And, oh, it all ends up at the end to be a great niece of, oh, we have such fun. Well, it's going to be a great show. 
Tickets for Rapunzel the Pantomime are £10 for adults, £7 for children. They can be booked online on the Tisbury Arts Group website, which is www.tisburyartsgroup.co.uk. Doors open at 7, there's a bar, and the performance starts at 7.30 sharp. On Friday, there's a great opportunity to kick off the weekend with a leisurely walk up to Messon's new exhibition, which is called Threshold at Place Farm. It features the rugged Scottish and Irish landscapes of contemporary artist Richard Hall. Entry is free and there's a good restaurant cafe on site and it's open from 10 till 5. The second performance of Rapunzel, the pantomime, is on Friday night, live at the New Vic at Tisbury. It starts at 7.30pm. The Royal Oak in Swallowcliff is hosting the Tisbury Gentleman's Breakfast at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday, the 28th of January, with guest speaker Commodore Bill Fairbairn, who will be describing his adventure sailing across the Southern Ocean to Antarctica in a talk which is titled By Bark to Antarctica. The cost is £17 on the door and includes breakfast. Reservations please by Wednesday this week to David Lacey on 01747870686 or Jeremy Say 01747871805. Tisbury District Natural History Society's Young Nature Watch Group are doing a footprint hunt on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And for more information, you need to email youngtnhs at gmail.com or go to the Tisbury Natural History Society website. There's a special afternoon matinee for children of the Tisbury Pantomime Rapunzel at the New Vic at Tisbury on Saturday. The pantomime starts at 2pm. There are going to be drinks and refreshments. Tickets are almost sold out for the Saturday matinee and for the evening show. So you need to book them as soon as possible on the Tisbury Arts Group website, which is www.tisburyartsgroup.co.uk. Sunday morning church services in Tisbury at St. John's. There's a service at 8.30 and 9.30 in the morning. 9am mass at Sacred Heart Tisbury and an 11am mass at Warder and 10.30am at the Methodist Church on the High Street. Well, that's all from me. Have a great week. We have a famous young person in Tisbury who recently featured on BBC Countryfile and her name is Izzy Fry. I chatted to her recently about Tisbury's Young Nature Watch and her love of birds. The Young Nature Watch group, which is a branch of the Tisbury Natural History Society, um, was co-founded by me and Ines Lopez de Riga. So basically our aim is to encourage more young people in the local area to get involved with conservation, wildlife and nature. Um, so the Tisbury Natural History Society didn't really have any young members, which was a bit of a shame. So with the Young Nature Watch group, we kind of give priority to younger people for our events. So we've done building hedgehog houses, doing butterfly surveys, harvest mice surveys, bird ringing demos. We do a different thing each month um, to do with local wildlife and nature. And how many members have you got? Oh, normally for most sessions we have a waiting list now because we have so many people that want to come. Um, but I think we have 
over 60 people on our mailing list. Wow. Um, a lot of them are families, so the members are probably quite a lot more. And the average age of those? So most of them are around 10 years old, um, but we have people from like five-year-olds to um, my age, so five to 17. So Izzy, about the bird ringing, what does that involve and why do you do it in the first place? So when we're bird ringing, we're attaching a uniquely numbered metal ring to the leg of a wild bird. Um, and this enables individual identification. Um, so when we catch it again, we know which bird it is. And the data that we collect when we're bird ringing generates information on bird survival, bird productivity, population changes, migration. And so we've learned loads from bird ringing. Yeah, so when we ring a bird, we collect data including wing length, um, the sex of the bird, the age of the bird. And in the summer, we can also look at kind of like fat and muscle scores. And all this data goes back to the British Trust for Ornithology. They basically curate it all together and monitor population changes. And so if there is a change in the population, what can we do about it? And why, are they, why is the population changing? Yeah, so there's bird ringing groups all over the UK. My group operates over Hampshire, Wiltshire and Dorset. Farmland, we have Heathland, Woodland. We're connected with so many other groups and sometimes you'll catch a bird that another group has caught, which is really cool. Uh, but I think I've ringed nearly a thousand birds mm -hmm. and around 50 species. I love all wildlife and I'm interested in all wildlife and nature, but I think particularly birds um, because the bird ringing is so interesting. Um, when I'm doing photography, capturing shots of birds is so challenging because they never stay still. So yeah, I think birds is my particular interest. And do you have a favourite bird? Oh, it's so hard. I think my overall favourite bird would be a puffin. Mm. And finally, what are your hopes and fears for the future of wildlife in this area? Yeah, so I mean, hopefully everything will increase or the populations will increase, but we need to monitor it and be careful because there are so many factors like climate change, rising temperatures, loss of suitable nest sites that are going to affect them in the future. But we've got so many amazing conservationists and conservation groups in the local area that will hopefully protect them. Well, I hope so. You sound optimistic anyway. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be optimistic, don't you? <laughs> Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Now Mary is out in the woods walking with Marilyn Morris when an eagle-eyed Mary spots a nest of bees. Oh, it's, a, it's a rather dull day today with a little bit of patches of blue and I'm with Mary and we're walking around Wardour um, this is the, these are Wardour Woods, aren't they, Mary? Yeah. And we've just come past the most enormous oak tree. And I was just going to say, had Mary ever done bark rubbings, and we looked up at the tree and she spotted bees. Yeah. So there are bees flying around, given that it's, what, the is it the 5th of January today? Yeah. They're very active. Very active. Surprising. There's a hole and there are bees that are around the hole and then they're flying all over the place. Yeah, it couldn't be more classic, could it? There's no. that round hole... Yeah. About uh, 12 foot up. Yep. And they're all sort of swarming around the entrance and lots of them coming in and out. Yes. I wonder what food they're finding at this time of year. I must ask my brother-in-law, who's a bee expert. Mm. 
In fact, the shape of that trunk, the sort of a boss, looks like an, a face, mm. and the hole where the bees are going, it looks like an eye. Yes. Can you see that? Yes, no, you're right. It's lovely against the very watery blue sky yes. that we can see yeah. uh, above the tree there. Yes. And we're looking out over new water castle with old water castle behind us. And if it was clear, we'd be able to see Alfred's Tower. Yeah, a bit, a bit of low cloud today, yeah. but um, very green. In the wild, I've seen dandelions flowering. Really? Yeah. It is because it's so mild, and also the trees have changed. I mean, if we look across to the woodland there, there's the silver birches are kind of pink where the buds are growing. So you That's get a sound of lovely soft pink shades and the grey. Yes. Um, and then we've got that lovely ochre colour for those willows down there by the as we look across to the into New Wardle. Yeah, the old withy beds. No, it's exciting. Love this time of year. It's my favourite. Yeah. Really? Really? Really, yes. <laughs> Spring coming. Yeah, but January. I know, but it's it's everything's starting to move. Um, right. You know, the elderberry bushes have got leaves on already. So it's positive, encouraging. New start to the year, new things growing. Yes, and have you noticed, Mary, how the days are getting longer? I woke yeah. up this morning and yeah. thought, there is a little tinge of light it's not pitch black <laughs> and in the evening it's it's light until a bit later on yeah. and the plants so, and animals sort of know it oh yes yes yeah. definitely they're yeah. putting out shoots yes yeah. and the birds have started to sing the robins robin singing and the blackbird singing and i heard yeah. a thrush oh yeah, lovely this morning lovely yeah. yes so here's a horse chestnut tree which is a, a lovely twisted shape if we look at it the branches are going over and down and round mm. And then the twigs have got their sticky buds on them. Yeah, so, they have. Uh, they're very sticky and they're yeah, quite big. Yeah, and then if you look, that's where it grew. So how far is that? So my hand is eight, eight. So it's probably about ten inches on that particular twig that was last year's growth. Yeah. And so we've yes. got all of that from last year. Now this yes. will grow another ten inches. Yes. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. And there's a lovely plane tree just here. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's quite a mix of trees. Yeah. Around here, and we've been admiring the cedars in the uh, in water, old water. Oh, and they're majestic, aren't they? Really majestic. Well, I just like coming out somewhere like this, and when I see something growing and I spot some new growth, I think, thank goodness, we've got rid of that awful last year, mm -hmm. and uh, we're starting on a new trajectory towards the spring. Mm. And uh, as you said, the buds are fattening, mm. and. Um, Everything's positive. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for some nice local history. And for news on local efforts for helping Ukraine. You can listen every week to a new episode of Tis Talk and you can find any episode you've missed at tistalk.buzzsprout.com. You can also find us on Facebook just search for Tiz Talk, that's all one word. And also look out for us on the Nextdoor app. And now also on Instagram on Tiz Talk Radio. So do listen in next week for more stories from Tisbury. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.